another episode of sing second sports uh i am john schofield your host joining me uh the co-host of sing second sports ward carroll and also joining us uh to break down the air force navy game um i was about to call it a debacle but i'll let bill come up with his own adjectives um to break down navy air force uh bill wagner of the annapolis capital who actually went on a road trip for this particular uh, game. So before we do any other preamble, Wags, what was it like to travel? What was it like to be in an empty press box or at least a quasi-empty stadium? I know that the Air Force cadets were there. And then what did you think of the game? Well, first, the answer of traveling, uh, five, a four-hour flight on a packed Frontier Airlines jet. Uh, and I look around and see people pulling their masks down, taking them off basically being rude, not keeping their mask on at all times like they've asked you to do on an airplane since it's an enclosed environment. I was somewhat encouraged by the pilot announcing the specifics of their air filtration system and how thorough it was, so that was a bit encouraging. But yeah, nonetheless, four-hour flight and uh, lots of time in airports with people who just don't obey rules. I saw people in the airport in Denver without masks at all. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, on to the game. My uh, thought is I was shocked and, uh, frankly, utterly disappointed in Navy. I cannot believe with two weeks to prepare, that's the product they put on the field. And you can talk all you want about it. Air Force had a month to prepare. I don't believe preparation counts as much as games. And Navy had two games. Uh, John, in a lot of ways, this is more concerning than the BYU loss. There, there was reasons for what happened against BYU. First of all, we're finding out that BYU is pretty doggone good. I think they're going to have an excellent season. Uh, they may go undefeated. Uh, secondly, there was the whole business of Navy not having live contact. And, you know, that, that has an effect. So those two reasons kind of excused the poor performance against BYU. I don't see an excuse for this. Uh, you're three games in. You, you know, supposedly the second half of, of the Tulane game, cured all ills, and they were back to playing Navy football, and then this. And uh, I saw a team that just got thoroughly whipped on both sides of the ball. It got handed it to them. Uh, Air Force totally out-physical Navy, both offense and defense, wore them down on both sides of the ball. Um, rather disappointing, and, and the excuses are out the window, and the only thing left is maybe Navy just is not that good this year. Uh, well, I'll, the jury is out, but that, that game does not bode well. No. And, and our producer, Chris and I were talking about this a little bit before today, um, that w where is the mental mindset of the team? You know, you were just bringing up a, a topic that Chris and I were discussing, which is, you know, are, are people from different geographic locations more adversely affected athletes or just regular citizens? Um, by COVID based on where they are. You know, New York City is certainly a different scenario than, than Denver, Colorado. Um, I, I know for a fact, um, as I know people who live in Denver. So you know, it, it, has it affected Navy differently? Has it actually driven a, an apathy or, 
or did they just lose too much? Um, I, I'm not really sure, but I'll tell you what, looking at the stats, they almost had three guys rush for 100 yards. Um, and and that isn't even the most disconcerting of the stats. So Ward, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. What, what do you think is is possibly the, the causality here? Because I, I was down to, hey, because of COVID and everything else and all the unknowns of the season, I think certain people have just taken their foot off the gas. And I'm not saying that Kenny has done that or particular players have done that, but it's a logical explanation when you, when you consider the, the body of work. Well, before I answer that, let me second what Wags just said. Um, from our Instagram live show, my prediction was 35 to 14. Um, I know his, I think, uh, on the last episode, the pregame episode was 35 to 7. Um, so we were 180 out. Right. And, and the, the, the premise that drove us to that prediction was 40 of their starters have bypassed this year because they thought the Mountain West wasn't going to play. And we've given our own professional military opinions of that move. So we thought we're playing the JV, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and that we had some stability um, at, at the quarterback position. Now, that Wags knew that that um, Dalen wouldn't be making the trip. He reminded me as we were texting during the game. You know, I'm like, where is Morris? And he's like, as I wrote, um, he didn't make the trip because risk at high altitudes, which introduces a whole different sort of military physical qualification to be commissioned matrix that isn't germane to this conversation. But we thought that this was going to be, let's just call it a blowout. Now, pivot to your question. All I saw in terms of both sides of the ball and some of our standouts uh, was sort of a flatness, you know, uh, no intensity. We had the one good pass play that, that we were leading for a, a short time there, seven to three. Um, but beyond that, it didn't even seem like they were mad that they were getting their ass kicked, right? To your point. So I think we might have, as we've said, a gazillion times this season, this season has an asterisk on it because of the pandemic. You know, the president, as we're talking, is in Walter Reed with the, the disease, with the virus. It's, it's beyond weird. It's beyond um, crisis levels. So you may be onto something with the regional sort of effects of that. We're right here in the shadow of the Capitol. This bleed over has certainly affected intensity and and motivation. You know, we thought we were past it with the second half of the Tulane game. Obviously, we're not. So all of our logic going into next weekend is out the window, right? This is going to be Temple's first game. Temple has wrestled with a student body that's been, you know, massively affected by COVID-19. But I don't think that gives Navy an advantage now based on their performance last weekend. So, Wags, how do you think they recover from this? Obviously, it, it, from here until Thanksgiving, Navy is now playing every single weekend, uh, with the you know, notable exception if there is some sort of like Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots type of you know flash positive of uh, particular players. You know, it, unless there is something like that, they're playing every single weekend. So the the speed of the car does not slow down. They, they, they need to find some way to, to fix it. Now, assuming that Dalen will be back next week, 
uh, for the home game without any fans against Temple. You know, where, where do you think this team goes? Do we see more of Masai Maynard? Do we see maybe a little bit more of Gosselin? How, how do you think they pivot and move forward on this, knowing, as, as Ward was just saying, um, that there could possibly be with every loss, particularly one like this to Air Force, a bit of apathy or a bit of lack of motivation creeping into the uh, calculus for the players and coaches? Well, first of all, I'm going to comment on what you brought up and Ward just commented on. I, I was watching the game from the press box looking down at the field, so I was not watching the television. I only looked at the television monitor in the press box when there was a replay I needed to see. However, I was told by several people via text messages that did watch the game on TV that the sideline demeanor was not encouraging, that there was hanging of heads. Um, you know, you guys were watching the game. What did you see? But uh, I was told that the, the spirit was not there, that they looked like a beaten team in the second half. Is that what you guys saw on television? Well, you know what? I'll kick that to Chris um, because I, I know that he had a very good um, opinion on that when we were talking pre-pod. So, uh, so Chris, you want to chime in a little bit because you had a great take. Well, first off, they um, they were a beaten team, um, and uh, they, you know, as you guys said, they were beat on every side of the ball. Um, yeah, it, it it did not look like the normal sideline that um, we are accustomed to seeing, where the coaches and the upperclassmen are motivating um, their you know respective squads, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I I don't know where the team's head is. Um, I, I do know that it is not Navy football. I know that those are the five worst halves of football that I I have watched Navy play in a long time and putting COVID aside and putting chaos aside, they did not run the triple option well to say that they ran it at all. So when you look at the way um, any of the quarterbacks have, have performed really, except for the first half where Dalen just looked lost, they have shown athleticism and they have shown talent, but the, I, I just question the play calling and the preparation for each of the games. If it were me on the sideline, not being prepared, being outplayed, that would make me uh, depressed and, uh, and lack energy. So I, I think that's what you're seeing. So uh, I'll answer the other question, John. How do you fix this? Where do you go? Well, uh, it starts with settling on a quarterback. You, you had three starting quarterbacks in three games. That's no way to operate. Uh, we all know that, that the triple option is the quarterback is everything in a triple option offense. They're the maestro, the, the conductor. And Navy's had all sorts of different quarterbacks in the past, different styles. But in years that Navy's been successful, that quarterback has gotten the job done in their own way. Whether it's Kaipo, with the, who was outstanding on the perimeter with the pitch game, or Will Worth, who ran between the tackles, or Aaron Polanco, who was more of a thrower, or Ricky Dobbs, who was a combination thrower fullback. But somehow, some way, they found something to hang their hat on and got the job done and ran the triple option. And I agree with Chris 100%. Five of six halves, we have not seen Navy football as far as the triple option and execution. And a large part of that falls on the offensive line and the blocking. And, you know, everyone thinks offensive line when you talk blocking, but with Navy and their offense, Everyone is a blocker. So there's times when the fullback's a blocker. 
There's all every play, the slot backs are blockers, and every play, wide receivers are blockers. So I don't want to only lay the blocking issue on the offensive line. But the bottom line is, Navy's not blocking anybody. There's no openings. They're handing the ball to the fullback, and he's got nowhere to go. They're taking the ball outside, and the pitch man's covered, and the quarterback's covered. They're, they're not blocking anyone. So th- that's where it's all got to start. You got to settle on a quarterback, figure out what that quarterback does well, and tailor the offense to that, those talents. And then you got to get your off- your blocking game, offensive line and other blockers. They got to pick it up and start doing a better job. I completely agree, Bill. And, and like you said in your article, um, and for those of you who haven't read it, Bill wrote a fantastic commentary um, you know, in the, in the postmortem. Uh, and the title of it was Navy football getting routed by Air Force was stunning to see. And it really was. And, and to Chris's point, I really think it's stunning to see the, the, the amalgamation of all of these flaws, you know, the, the, the hanging of the heads on the sidelines, the lack of execution, um, you know, the, the blowouts, uh, even without, uh, continuity in the quarterback game. We've seen that. We've seen that the quarterback position, you know, if it's, if they're talented human beings, um, you know, that, that they can be plug and play, that you can get performance out of that, out of that uh, particular position on the football field. So what is it? You know, is it, is it Ivan's play calling? Is it a general apathy, among, uh, you know, at the Naval Academy? How much did the whole, you know, no liberty thing factor in? Is it geographic? I don't know. I think there are myriad factors that come into this that, that lead us to what we saw on Saturday. But God, I, I don't want to see that again. Um, and I'm not even a grab. I'm just a fan. But but God, that was just very very crappy to watch. Just wasn't fun at all. Um, you know, Ward, where were you as we kind of wrap this up and and start looking forward? You know, where where was your head at the you know as the final as the final whistle sounded? If you were even still watching? Yeah, I, I watched the end. Right, I'm a grad. I'm a fan. I'm I'm no fair weather sort of uh, patriot here. Um, so. I was fundamentally disappointed because we thought we were on a vector that we're not on, you know, and so that's disorienting for the Navy fan base. Um, we expect with Coach Niamat that, uh, that you know, adrift ships are powered and uh, sent on the right vector in short order, and we thought that's what happened, what was happening after Tulane, and now it proved we, we're left to believe that that's not the case, right? So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get all, you know, we don't want to like slam the stick off the stops as we used to say in the fighter business and go, oh, this season's going to be terrible because that's kind of what we were thinking after BYU and, and Navy had a great victory. Um, so let's let's be glass half full as, as the sink second crew who supports unflinchingly Navy sports, particularly in this case, Navy football, and say that, there's a lot to work on this week, you know, and it, and, and it, it starts with, as Wags just said, the blocking. Now, I submit that if, you, if we were to do a coach's clicker, you'd see the blocking scheme is more effective than, than we're sort of suggesting. This is where continuity at the quarterback position matters because that cadence is very much differs pr- but with each quarterback. Um, and, and so there are openings, but they're finite and they go away quickly. And if you're getting blown off the line because you've given uh, 
sort of the intangible motivation to the opponent, then you're going to see what we saw, which is the play with a first-time guy who's not in sync with his blocking scheme is going to eliminate the ground game. And we also saw that there was no passing game because it just collapsed, right? And, and, and he had no opportunity to look downfield if he wasn't sacked right away. So let's hope that they're working with Dalen this week to seriously concentrate on the cadence piece of the triple option. Um, and maybe we'll show up better ready to uh, prevail on Saturday. To Ward's point, was going to go uh, two, two quick things. One, I, I, as I said, I, I cannot say enough um, how impressed I was with the, the raw talent that you do have in the backup quarterbacks. I thought Goslin and Maynard showed um, a lot of potential. So um, while not writing this season off by any stretch, I, I like what, what the future holds for, for us. Um, I mean, that there's a, there's a lot there, and uh, hopefully they get an opportunity to play. Um, the second point that I wanted to make is is I, I you, you know I'm a little bit more worried about our defense given injuries, and I know Wags is going to cover some of that. But um, I, I thought that even if the offense was not on its game, uh, I thought the defense was going to uh, play a little bit better. Um, Wags, what's going on on that side of the ball? Um, anything that you uh, can tell us? Well, I don't know any injury reports, but it obviously did not look good on Saturday with a parade of Navy's best defenders leaving the game. We know one thing, Kevin Brennan will not play in the first half of the Temple game on Saturday because he was disqualified for targeting, and that's the rule. You miss a full game. So he missed the second half of Air Force, and he'll have to miss the first half of Temple. Uh, Diego Fago. Uh, left the game, and so did the other inside linebacker, Tama Tuatelli. Navy's scheme is designed for the inside linebackers to make the bulk of tackles. So if you have lost two inside linebackers, that's devastating. And I don't even need to say Diego Fago, who we all believe has got NFL potential and is clearly Navy's best defender. If he's lost, it's going to be a gut punch to the defense. And we talked about mental makeup, I mean, that's going to be hard to overcome losing a guy like Diego Fago. So Navy better pray that Diego Fago is okay and is not going to miss too much time. And then Evan Falkman, the other safety, left the game with an injury. So, you know, four of your key tacklers, Diego Fago, Tama Tuatelli, Kevin Brennan, and Evan Falkman left the game with injuries. So uh, we'll know more, I guess, uh, as the week progresses. Navy doesn't really report on injuries or make announcements. But if someone is lost for the season, they usually fess up about that because, you know, there's, there's no getting around loss for the season. But, uh, yeah, not, not very favorable on the injury front for the defense. Yeah, the Brennan thing for me was kind of the sign that things were going off the rails as we kind of end the, uh, the Air Force breakdown and, and start looking forward to Temple you know, I had even asked Nehemiah about that after the BYU game when Brennan, you know, was looked at for targeting in the BYU game. And, and Nehemiah said, in, in no uncertain terms, actually, yeah, that was the Tulane game. Um, but in, in no uncertain terms, Nehemiah said, hey, Kevin's our smartest guy. Yeah, I, I was just shocked that it was him. And then here we are, uh, very next game, um, he got called again. And, and this time they upheld it and they ejected him. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, what the future holds on the injury front. We'll ask Nehemiah about it at two p.m. and hopefully Kevin Brennan comes back and 
and doesn't have any more issues with this. So now, like Ward said, Temple playing their first game, Wags, what can we expect to see from, from these guys? Or will it be kind of a similar mystery to what we thought the Air Force defense would be? You know, you just don't know what we don't know. Well, Temple's legit. Uh, they have been ever since uh, the American Athletic Conference got going. I mean, they're one of the top teams in the American Athletic Conference. Always, back when they had East and West Divisions, Temple was always in the mix for the East Division Championship. And, you know, they, they come in with a very strong running attack. This is another team that's going to punch you in the mouth. They've got a, an outstanding offensive line that's receiving plaudits. They've got a tailback who is very highly touted. Um, and we've known from years past that Temple defense is, is very strong. They they pride themselves on tough defense. And Navy's had trouble with Temple. Uh, one of the worst Navy games I ever saw was this Thursday night game at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia a few years back when, you know, the Navy looked terrible, uh, did not play well. That was the worst game of that season, I believe. It was a, a successful season, but that was like one of the worst games the Navy's played. Um, and then, of course, there was the American Athletic Conference Championship game against Temple when they got Navy got dominated. So Temple's a team that's uh, you know played Navy very well over the years, and they're a physical, tough team. Uh, so that, that back to my original point, Navy needs to toughen up. They need to get more physical on both sides of the ball, and they're they're going to get another team that is going to challenge them on that front. Yeah, Ramon Davis, the uh, the stud running back for these guys last year, rushed for 936 yards. Uh, he's only a sophomore, um, so a pretty talented guy. A lot of really big, you know, Philadelphia area, also Western Pennsylvania recruits on the Temple roster, and they're always well coached. Um, you know, going all the way back to like Al Golden, um, they have great coaches who have gone through there and and really taken a team that was like in jeopardy of getting like death penalty, you know, not the way that the old SMU team did, but like basically just kicked out of one a because they, they suck so bad. Um, now they, they are definitely a very good team and, and we've got a, we've got a reckoning coming our way. If, if we uh, have some serious injuries on the defensive end, Ward, what are you looking at uh, for the temple game? So I was on the sidelines for that AAC championship game that Wags is referring to. Um, was that 2015 Wags or 2016? Which, which year was that? And we did get blown out. I want to say it was 2016, but let me get out my media guide real quick and verify, but go ahead with your thoughts. <laughs> um, so my thought is that, that this season is going to go to the team that wants it the most um, and because of all of the variables we're talking about. So you can show up looking great on paper and, and, and get trounced if you don't bring the motivation. So um, that's still an X factor right now. That's the X factor going into this game. Um, because if you look at on paper, you know, we should dominate. Our defense is the same scheme that, that was fantastic last year. We haven't had that much turnover. We still have Crothers and others who should be dominating on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and yet it's not happening. So I think, as we've said, you got to sort of owe that to the intangibles, the, the COVID environment, the motivation in the COVID environment. So my prediction is this game will go to the team that seriously wants it the most. And that sounds like a massive cliche, but this year 
in the face of all of these mitigators, it seems to matter even most. And last weekend, we saw Air Force wanted it, and Navy apparently very much didn't want it from their body language and, and reactions to even the spearing. You know, there was no, like, pushback. It's like, oh, okay, he's gone, right? And, and it was just like this acceptance of, of what was happening that seemed a little bit uh, uh, surprising. Uh, Ward, it was 2016. You were correct. Navy was 9-2 and two and played Temple in the American Athletic Conference Championship and lost 34-10 uh, to 10 and lost several players along the way, including Will Worth and right. offensive captain Tony O'Gully. And Navy ended up losing the last three games of the year, uh, losing to Army to break the streak, losing to Louisiana Tech in the bowl game. So, yep. yes, you were right, 2016. And I will comment one quickly on something John mentioned. Um, he is true. It's amazing that what the coaches of Temple have done. Al Golden got hired away to Miami. Now he did not have success at Miami, but um, Matt Rule replaced Al Golden, and he got hired away to uh, Baylor and is now the coach of uh, Carolina <laughs> Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And then they, uh, I think it was Narduzzi was also a coach there. All. And then the most recent Temple coach is now the coach at Georgia Tech. He replaced Paul Johnson. So I guess people figure if you can win at Temple, then you must be a great coach. But every single Temple coach, the last five, I believe that would be, have been hired away to better jobs. Yeah. So as we, uh, as we start wrapping it up here, I think, um, you know, it's probably, it's probably the same scenario in Norman, Oklahoma right now, you think. Um, and now Oklahoma has lost two games in a row. I'm sure their fan base, who's not used to something like this, uh, particularly with all the success they've had with uh, quarterbacks uh, in recent years, they're not used to, to this scenario and are probably wondering the same, you know, in the same line of questions that we have, you know, has COVID adversely affected this team? You know, the unknowns, the new quarterback, uh, it's a perfect cocktail of the unknown that that then yields to a one and two start, which is really the same thing that Navy's looking at right now. So maybe we should just play Oklahoma. But um, that will wrap up this particular segment um, of the post-game post-mortem. Um, we are going to come back to you uh, again later this week with a little pregame for Temple, uh, have a couple of guests, talk some other issues. And uh, hopefully you can join us for that. Until then, for Ward Carroll and our special guest, Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. Out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.